not a follower. Have the courage to do what is right. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. God sees everything you do. Be a leader, not a follower. Go out and be yourself. You are who you are. No matter how bad things are, there's always someone who has it worse than you, so be thankful. Put on your big girl pants and deal with it. God never says, oh! Be the head, not the tail. Always wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Every day can't be a part. All right, how many of you have ever said any of those? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of things we say as parents, don't we? And we're continuing this series, Parents Say the Darndest Things. This morning we're going to look at 12 different sayings that uh, are pretty common for parents and grandparents to say to their kids and, and grandkids and ask what, we can, what can we learn from those and what, what, what do you really say to them? What does God say about that? More importantly, what does God really say about that particular Subject, And if I could summarize the 12 sayings we're going to look at this morning, it's under this heading that, that what we really want for our kids is for, for them to be strong and be courageous. If last week we wanted them to be confident and, and reach their potential and become all that God wants them to be today is that we want them to be strong and courageous because you're not going to reach your potential without being strong and courageous. And so uh, here, here's the thing. Jesus wants the same thing. Jesus does not want any of us to be weaklings. He wants us to be strong in our faith. He wants us to have the courage of our convictions. He wants us to stand, as Steve was saying a moment ago, stand up for him, stand up for the faith, stand up for the Lord, and, and be strong. And so parents say things like this, all right? Be, you, heard, you heard this one in the video. Be the head, not the, not the tail. What do we mean by that? Be a leader. Don't always be somebody who is led by others. Don't always be a follower because sometimes being a follower will get you in trouble. Be a leader. Be strong and know the direction you're going in life. And so sometimes parents just come right out and say it. This, this saying, be a leader, not a follower. One parent uh, uh, said over and over to their kid, this was sent to me in the survey, go out and be yourself. You know who you are. So what we're really saying when we say things like that is, is children, we want you to be a leader, to, to not just be a leader of people, but to lead yourself, to, let, to allow the Lord to lead you so that you're leading your life and you're not just following the crowd, not simply following the culture. Um, that takes courage. That takes faith. That takes strength. It's interesting, Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it there. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And he, he says, he asked them a question, what are people saying about me? Who do people think I am? As you're out there in the villages and towns listening to people, what are they saying about me? And the disciples told Jesus that what they hear people saying is that a lot of them think he's one of the ancient prophets come back to life, whether it's Jeremiah or one of the others. You're one of those prophets who died and you're come back to life. They talked about that a little bit, and then Jesus looked at his disciples, and he asked them this, but who do you say I am? And Peter gave that well-known answer, you are the Christ, the Messiah of God. And Jesus said, Peter, that's right. The Father in heaven has revealed this to you. 
And on that reality, on that rock, on that truth of who I am as the Christ, as the Savior, as the Messiah, I'm going to build my church, grow my church, my family, and hell will not stop it, cannot prevail against it. But then there's something interesting that happens afterward. In Matthew 16, if you have your Bible, after telling them all of this, in verse 21, Jesus began to teach them a little more deeply on how this was going to happen, namely about his crucifixion. So in verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and then be raised up on the third day. So Jesus began teaching his disciples about his crucifixion and resurrection that were soon to come. Notice what Peter did in verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. No, Jesus, you're not going to die. You're not going to suffer. No, we'll never allow this. And then Jesus' response is so stern in verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said to him this. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. This is an example of Jesus saying, even those close to him may think this is what I need to do. I know he's saying something else is the Father's plan. And if you're going to reach your potential in life, you're going to be the kind of disciple follower of Jesus that you dream of being in your heart. There are going to be those moments you have to go against the grain. You have to go against the crowd. You have to go against what everybody else is wanting you to do. You have to be a leader. And by being a leader, it's not just leading others. You can't lead anyone until you are in charge of your own direction in life. What direction are you heading? Is it under the lordship of Christ or is it not? Jesus knew who he was and what God's purpose for him was. And so he had the courage to go that route. And some of us struggle with that. Some of us struggle with going against the crowd and the friends and our family. In Luke chapter 9, you'll see it on the screen, there's an interesting passage that says it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension, when it was getting close for, for Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, then ascension back to the Father in heaven, that he resolutely with determination, notice that, was determined to, to go to Jerusalem. One translation says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was determined to go there. Why? Because it was in Jerusalem that he would be crucified and be raised from the dead, and then ultimately ascend back to the Father. That was the place he had to go to fulfill his mission in life. And so he was, he was determined. He, he made up his mind he was going to do it, and then in the next verses, he sends some of his disciples in front of him to prepare the way because it's a long journey from Galilee down to Jerusalem. They, it's a several-day trip. And so he sends some followers ahead to make preparations uh, and they stop in this particular village of Samaritans. And in verse 53, they did not receive Jesus. Why? Because they didn't like the direction he was going. Do you understand there will always be people who don't like the direction you're going if you're following Jesus Christ? 
There will be relatives. There will be co-workers. There will be neighbors. There will be so-called friends. There will be acquaintances. There will always be people who don't like the direction you're charting for your life if you say, I'm going to be a leader in terms of leading myself and I choose to follow Christ, to go that direction. Sometimes, sometimes you got to say no to somebody. And that's what parents are trying to teach their kids. But listen, parents, grandparents, the best way you can teach your children and grandchildren to say no to the crowd and follow Jesus to be a leader in that sense is for you to do it and show them how. They need to see you at the ball games doing that. They need to see you when the family gets together for a reunion and holidays doing that. They need to see you in those quiet moments at home when you let your guard down doing that. That's how they'll learn from you. Any of you ever use a GPS? We trust them. They're pretty reliable, aren't they? Park rangers out in Death Valley in California have a saying. Death by GPS. Because they are so accurate getting you on the the shortest route from point A to point B that in Death Valley sometimes they will put you on roads you don't need to be on. Roads that haven't been used for decades. That are no longer passable by most vehicles. And so 10 years ago, There was a a 28-year-old mother and nurse named Alicia Sanchez with her 6-year-old son Carlos driving in Death Valley using their GPS and drove 20 miles down an abandoned road. Eventually, their Jeep Cherokee got stuck in sand up to the axles. It was 115 degrees. They tried to walk to get help, but saw no one, eventually turned around and went back to the Jeep. She was a nurse, had medical tape, so on the windshield of her Cherokee with medical tape, she spelled out SOS, and five days passed. And they ran out of water, started drinking their urine. When a ranger found them, The mother was sitting in the shade leaning up against the Jeep. Her lips were parched and cracked and dry and bleeding. Her tongue was swollen. There was no saliva in her mouth, and she just screamed out as she waved her arms, My baby's dead. My baby's dead. And the ranger found slumping over in the front seat her dead six-year-old son. All she had to do was turn around. before it was too late. And sometimes you have to run, come to the place in life where you realize that if you keep following the path, keep following the GPS, keep following the directions of the crowd, they're going to take you someplace you don't want to end up. Repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is turning around. Repentance is saying I'm not going that direction any longer. And all of us need to take the advice that all of us give our kids. Be a leader. Don't let everybody else direct your life. Let the Lord Jesus Christ direct your life. And parents and grandparents, teach your children and grandchildren to do this by, listen, letting them see you make good decisions 
and letting them see how Jesus is a factor in the decision you are making to turn around and not go the way everybody else is necessarily going. So that's the first lesson. Let's look at some more parent sayings that help us think about being strong and courageous. One, be a leader. But here's another saying that uh, some parents use that was given to me in this survey. A man's got to have a code, a creed to live by. What do you think they mean by that? Hmm? You have to have values. You have to have priorities. You have to have a sense of what's right and wrong, of ethics, and live by it, right? Another saying that was sent to me is have the courage to do what is right. And so here's the second point. It's real simple. Just do what's right. Know what's right and do it. That's what we want for our kids. Well, parents and grandparents, if you get given too much change at the restaurant today, are you going to correct the server and give it back to them? Do what's right. Set an example of doing what's right in the little things as well as the big t- things because we, we all face pressure, don't we? we? We know teenagers face pressure to compromise and go along with the crowd. College students face pressure, but all of us do. We need to have the conviction that says we know what is right and we're, we're going to do it. See, Jesus was, was different than a lot of religious leaders in his day and time. You remember the story that's in a couple of the Gospels of Jesus going to the house of Levi, also known as Matthew after he became a follower of Jesus. Levi was a tax collector, wasn't very popular. Um, his, his buddies were other tax collectors and sinners, people who weren't very religious. And Jesus goes to their house, to his house, and there's a big banquet. And here's all these tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus is eating with them. And the religious leaders see this, and how do they react? They get angry. They begin criticizing them, Right? I mean, if you're a religious guy, if you're a preacher, if you're a dedicated follower of Jesus, you wouldn't hang out with those kind of people. But you see, Jesus knew who he was and what was important and what was right. And in uh, Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to them this in verse 13 of chapter 9. He said, but go and learn what this means. I, referring to God the Father, desire compassion. More than all of your religious rituals and all of your religious activities, what I really want from you is compassion. Now, who is this compassion to be aimed toward? Those who are without God, those who are hurting, those who have made mistakes, those who have messed their lives up, those who have sinned, those who are lost. I want you, God says, to have compassion toward them. And then Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous those who are well, but sinners those who are hurting. Jesus had the courage to say, listen, caring about lost people, having compassion for those who are making a mess of things is the right thing. And too often we act like having that kind of compassion is the wrong thing. We need to know what is right according to the Lord, what his priorities and his values are, and then do them. Because when you do the right thing, listen, every time we do the right thing, it makes a difference in somebody's life. Jesus made a difference in the lives of not just Levi, but others who were in the house that day when they had the banquet, didn't he? Because he said, I'm going to do what's right and have compassion on these sinners. Rosa Parks, all of us know her name and her story. 
Montgomery, Alabama in the 1950s, buses, public buses segregated. The whites sat in the front part and the, the blacks in the back part of the bus. And there was on most buses there was actually a sign that divided the two sections for the whites and the blacks. You know the story. After working all day, she got on the bus to go home and she sat down in the black section in the first row of the black section, just immediately behind the white section. At the next stop, more people got on. The bus was full. There were no more seats in the white section. There was a white man needed a seat, so the bus driver ordered her to get up and give her seat to him. She refused. She was arrested, taken to jail, and spent a few hours in jail. And of course, that set off the famous boycott of the bus system there and uh, led to a legal case, a court case, and the Supreme Court ultimately ruling segregation unconstitutional. But there's more to the story. See, she was a member of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, which at that time in 1955 was pastored by a young preacher named Martin Luther King Jr. And about a year before her experience on the bus, she heard Dr. King preach a sermon in which he encouraged believers to not be like a thermometer that just reads the temperature of society and joins in, but instead to be a thermostat that changes the temperature of society. And so on that day when Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus and was arrested, she was acting on that sermon to be a thermostat and change things. And it wasn't because she was physically tired. That's a lie. What she herself said was this. She said, our mistreatment was not right, and I was just tired of it. She added, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. And she not only changed history, she improved the quality of a lot of people's lives. See, that's what happens when you do what's right. We want our kids to have courage and be strong to do what's right. And sometimes doing what's right can make us uncomfortable, but we do it because it's the right thing to do. That's what followers of Jesus do, right? Right? You better think so. Here's a third group of parents saints. This one was in the video. It's always been one of my favorites. <laughs> always wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. And why do parents say that? I think there's one obvious reason and one that maybe is in the back of their mind but they don't quite think about or say, but it's there. The first reason is moms just don't want to be embarrassed by a doctor or a nurse seeing dirty underwear. But the other part of that message is that sometimes we are in accidents, right? Sometimes bad stuff happens to us. Most of you in this room have had some of those experiences in life, haven't you? Here's another saying, every day can't be a party. And this one, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. And uh, this one, no matter how bad 
things are, there's always someone who has it worse than you, so be thankful. By the way, did that ever make any of you feel better? And then uh, they, they, they reworded it in the video, what the saying really is, put on your big girl panties and deal with it. Now, what are, we, what are we saying to our kids when we say stuff like this? That, that life has its ups and downs, right? Life has pain. Life has challenges and, and hardships and difficult times. And here's the point. We have to deal with it. We have to have the strength and the courage and, and the faith to deal with with, with not just the ups of life, but with the downs of life, not just with the, the easy things and the good times, but with the hard things and the difficult times. We have to deal with them. Because as Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We're going to have ups and downs in life. So we have to be able to deal with them. Jesus, Jesus suffered, didn't he? I mean, in the passage we looked at a few moments ago, Jesus determined, set his face to go to Jerusalem because what was going to happen when he got there? He would be rejected, he would be killed, he would suffer. Peter reacted when Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. Jesus suffered physically, emotionally, relationships. Uh, when, he, when he was on the cross, most of the disciples ran away, abandoned him. Hebrews chapter 12, look at these verses, verses 2 and following from Hebrews chapter 12. He said, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Does that sound like fun? Any of you ever had to endure anything hard? Despising the shame. Any of you ever... Had anything happened to you or your family that can make you feel a little bit of embarrassment or shame? And now he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus suffered. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Consider him. Consider Jesus. Notice this. Who had endured such hostility. You ever had anybody not like you? You, you ever had anyone try to hurt you? Jesus did. Jesus did. And, 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 and Scripture is saying we need to remember this about Jesus. Why? So that we don't grow weary and lose heart when it happens to us because it's going to happen to us. Life has ups and downs, right? He says you've not yet resisted to the point of death. You haven't had to give your life for Jesus yet. See, some people have this idea that when you follow Jesus, there's no downs, it's all ups. Well, that's unbiblical. That's not even how it was for Jesus. And yet some of us have this idea that's how it's supposed to be, that if I love Jesus, follow Jesus, if I pray enough, if I have enough faith, it'll all be ups, there'll be no downs, no hard times, it'll all be easy. No. And so what happens is all of a sudden they're going through life and there's a downtime, there's a painful moment, a painful experience, and they don't understand and they pray for God to take it away or God to fix it, and the, but the pain stays. Your loved one dies. Whatever it is. So they lose heart, they grow weary, they give up, they abandon the faith. 
BuzzFeed had a story recently that they titled 25 Reasons People Gave for, for, the, for, for Why They Stopped Believing in God. And so these were some statements people made about why they no longer believed in God. Said they did it one time, now they don't. One, one, one person said they stopped believing in God because they watched their grandmother die of Alzheimer's at age 60 and could not understand why a loving God would allow that. Another person said, this, this was someone in the medical field, they had seen so many people die from cancer and experience real pain. One man said that he stopped believing in God because his wife cheated on him after four years of marriage and God wasn't able to save his marriage. Someone else said they stopped believing in God because their parents went through a nasty divorce and God would never allow children to suffer that kind of pain. One woman said she battled depression her whole life. She prayed for God to take it away from her, and he didn't. So she stopped believing in God. And what I'm saying is that sometimes when the bad stuff happens, when the downs come, people give up. And what God says is, is don't give up. Bad's going to happen to you whether you follow Jesus or not. You do know that, right? But here's the thing. When you follow Jesus, you're not going to bring as much bad stuff onto yourself because you won't make as many bad decisions. And then secondly, as you're going through it, you've got a strength, an energy, a support system, not just God. But I've seen so many people go through bad times in life alone because they don't have a family of faith. And ultimately, ultimately, ultimately it works out Pretty good for us, doesn't it? In John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Look at this up here. He said, truly I say to you that you will weep and lament. He said, he's talking about when he dies, you're, you're all going to hurt. It's going to be a down moment for you. But some out there in the world will rejoice. They'll be happy. Those who wanted me dead will be happy. But you'll grieve. But notice what he said. Your grief won't last forever. Your grief will turn to Joy. Look at the next verse. He said, whenever a woman, he talks about childbirth. There's the pain of childbirth, right, ladies? Closest I can come to is that one kidney stone. Don't want another. I'm amazed all of you had a second kid. But you hold that baby, right? That's what he says. And there's joy on the other side. And what does it do to the pain? Oh, you remember it, but you don't remember it. Cause of the joy. One last verse. Therefore you too, notice this, you'll have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. And in that day you will not question me about anything. What Jesus is saying, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, because here's what's going to happen. There is a time coming when your grief and your pain is replaced and all there is is joy and it's joy forever. And by the way, that joy is going to be so incredible like a mother holding that baby. That, that joy is going to be so immense. You won't ask me anything. You won't have any questions about anything because it won't matter. What you have then is so good, so good, none of the other will have mattered. Amen. David Sachs was an award-winning photographer whose 
photographs were published in more than 50 publications around the world. He was also a devout follower of Jesus with a wife and four children, but in his 40s he was diagnosed with cancer. And When they diagnosed it, it was well advanced already in his liver, lungs, bones, lymph nodes. It was a death sentence. In the final days of life, his body was thin and weak. His family and friends would gather in the bedroom around his bed. They would talk. They would pray. They would sing songs of faith. His brother, David's brother, brought over his guitar. And the evening before he died as a family, they sang this song. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, worship Your Time. 
time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to So that's why parents and grandparents of faith will say things to their kids like, God never says oops. And God sees everything you do. And often when we say God sees everything you do, it has a negative connotation. He's watching. He's watching. And that's true. But there's also a very positive sign to that. It means you're never out of his vision. You're never alone. You're never without his presence if you're his child. And that's a great message, isn't it? You see, any weakling can give up. Any weak person can follow the crowd. Any weak person can give in to the, to the pressure and compromise and do what's wrong. But it takes a strong person, courageous person, person of real faith and devotion to say, Jesus, I've never given up. I'm going to follow you through the ups and the downs all the way to glory. Jesus, I'm going to follow you when the people close to me don't want me to. And Jesus, I'm going to do what's right and see things the way you do, even if I'm the only one. And parents and grandparents, that's what we're telling our kids. That's what we want for them, isn't it? Show them how by your own example. Show them how by your own example. We're going to sing another song. This is an invitation for you to obey the Lord and what he's saying to your mind and heart and soul right now. 
The altar is open for you to kneel and pray or sit here in one of these seats and pray if you feel led to do that. Myself and pastors and decision counselors will be here. We're inviting you to come and make your decisions for Christ, whether it's to join this church or some of you need to renew your commitment to the Lord because you, you have to be honest and say, hey, Pastor, I know Jesus, but man, I haven't been following him really well. And, and I want to repent of that and come home, so to speak, and begin following Jesus more closely. And I, I need the church to be praying for me. Some of you need to request baptism, take your public stand for the Lord that way. And others of you just need to come and give your heart to Christ because right now you don't know Jesus and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you need to come and say, Jesus, today... I am exercising faith that I'm giving my life to you. So as I wait for you here and we sing, you make your way to the altar. You come right now.